0: We've had some good singing tonight, haven't we? Almost worth the price of the show just to come for the singing. If you have your Bibles, would you open them tonight, please? To 1 Samuel chapter 17. On Sunday night, we're in a sermon series entitled A Man After God's Own Heart A Study of the Life of David, one of the most fascinating characters in the Bible. And in 1 Samuel 17, we're going to be looking at a story that's well known. All 58 verses you have probably read over and over and over again. You've heard the story over and over and over again. It's a simple story. But tonight I want you to see it has some profound lessons to teach us. 1 Samuel 17 Let's read together, not all 58 verses, but let's read the first 10 verses together and then jump to verse 32. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Sosha, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Sosha and Asakah and Ephesedemon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together Pitched by the valley of Elah, set the battle in array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and the Israelites stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a great gulf or valley between them. And there came out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines. He had a name, it was Goliath of Gath, and his height was six cubits in a span. He had a helmet of brass upon his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. The staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and one was bearing a shield. An escort went ahead of him Verse 8, And he stood and he cried to the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I the Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose you a man for you to let him come down to battle with me. If he be able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against your warrior, and kill him, then you shall be the servants of we, the Philistines, and serve us. And Goliath said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Send me a man that we might fight together. Verse 32. And David the shepherd boy came to his king Saul and said, let no man's heart Fail because of him, speaking of Goliath. I, thy servant, will go, and I will fight with this Philistine. Let's look at the simple story, then we will go to the profound lessons. The Israelites and the Philistines are arch enemies. Have always been, shall always be. And they have lined up facing one another each one on the high ground on either side, separated by a valley. Neither side wants to attack the other. Because to attack the other, you will have to go into the valley. You'll have to give up your high ground position and go into a low ground position, and that can be dangerous. So neither side wants to break the standoff though they are aligned against each other. The Philistines come up with a plan. They will send their greatest warrior, Goliath, into the valley by himself. And he will issue a challenge to the Israelites to send their greatest warrior into the valley. Each warrior will represent their king, Each warrior will represent their army. Each warrior will represent their nation. And each warrior will represent their God. These two warriors will engage in combat, one on one combat, winner take all. The Philistines, they have a warrior. His name is Goliath of Gath. And the best way I can describe him to you is, the Bible says he was a human tank. He just didn't have the wheels. The Bible tells us he was nine and a half feet tall. Now, to help you get a perspective on that, the tallest player who's ever played in the NBA was seven and a half feet tall. Goliath was two feet taller than him. Goliath's head would almost touch the rim of a basketball court. He was nine and a half feet tall. He had probably six to seven hundred pounds of body weight on him. He wore armor that probably weighed somewhere around 100 to 125 pounds. Can you imagine that, wearing 125 pounds of armor? He wore it. He carried all kinds of weaponry with him, but his primary weapon was a spear. It looked like a huge javelin. And the head of that spear, or that javelin, weighed 15 pounds. Just the head of it. And he went into battle with an escort who went ahead of him. A Philistine soldier would precede him, holding up a shield that would protect Goliath from arrows that would be shot at him. Goliath was unbeaten in combat. He was a champion. Goliath goes into the valley And his presence frightens the Israelites, according to the story. For 40 days and 40 nights, he goes into the valley. He dares Israel to send him out, somebody to face him. But the Israelites are terrified of him. They have no one who will go out to battle him. After 40 days... David just happens to be in the Israelite camp. He's bringing supplies to his brothers who serve as soldiers in Saul's army. And David, who's a shepherd boy by occupation, hears the taunts, sees the arrogance, the haughtiness of Goliath. He hears the profanity and the vulgarity that's coming out of this man. And David says, if nobody else will fight him, I will. If none of Saul's warriors will battle him, I, a shepherd boy, will. I will not have him talk about my king and my army and my nation and my God like that. And so, David says, Saul, here am I. I will go. Well, Saul and his Leadership, David's father and his family, they try to discourage him. They try to tell him not to go. They mock him and laugh at him. They say, you're just a shepherd boy. How in the world can you go out and fight this Goliath? But David doesn't listen to him. He's a little stubborn. Got a little Georgia mule in him. And he says, I feel impressed of the Lord to take this giant on. You can laugh at me, you can mock me, you can discourage me. You can even try to deny me, but I am going to fight him. And he goes into the valley. And there he will meet Goliath. Does David have any armor on? No. No. Does he have bows and arrows? No. Does he have a spear? No. Does he have a sword? No. He doesn't even have a shield. What he does have is the only weapon he knows how to use, a slingshot and a bag with five stones in it. I hope when we get to heaven we can see the movie of this. Because I can picture Goliath, nine and a half feet tall, 700 pounds of a man's man, covered in armor from head to toe, with a huge spear in his hand. And he looks at David coming. I can see Goliath smirking. I can see him laughing. I can see him raising his spear. And I can see him getting ready to throw it. This is a piece of cake, he's thinking. But you know something? When you're in a gunfight, the person who draws first is usually going to win. And while Goliath is fast on the draw with his spear, David's faster on the draw with his slingshot. And that shepherd boy spins that slingshot around and unleashes a rock missile, a guided rock missile, at Goliath. And the Bible says that giant covered in armor from head to toe who had one spot that wasn't covered, guess where the rock goes? It hits Goliath in the forehead right between the eyes. The Bible says the stone sunk into his head. In other words, it dug into his brain. It hit so hard. And Goliath staggered. And he fell to the ground. Dead before he ever hit. And then David ran up to Goliath. And he pulled his massive sword out of the sheath. And David took Goliath's head off his shoulders. And held it up for all to see. Isn't that an interesting story? David has beaten Goliath. The Israelites have beaten the Philistines. Jehovah God has beaten Dagon. Now that's the simple story. Most of you have heard it a thousand times. I'm not telling you nothing you don't know. But you know something, behind every simple story in the Bible, there's lessons. Because it's not just a story about David and Goliath. It's a story about you and me and the giants that we face. It's not just a story about the past. It's a story about the present. And the same lessons that David understood and used in defeating Goliath, God wants you and I to understand. So when we face the Goliaths of this world, we can be victorious. May I give you some lessons real quick tonight that we learn. The first is a lesson on problems. A lesson on problems. Everybody has problems but God is able. Look at verses 33 through 36 of 1 Samuel 17. We'll just pick out some verses and kind of give you a flair for what's being said. And King Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're nothing but a little youth. And he's a man of war. But David said to Saul, Your servant who's standing before you, I've kept my father's sheep for many years. And when there came lions and bears and tried to take lambs out of the flock, I went after them and I killed them and delivered them out of the mouth of these enemies. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him, speaking of the wild animals. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing as he has defied the armies of the living God. I want you to understand there's a lesson here on problems. Troubles, struggles, issues. Do you know they're a part of life? All of us. All of us. Pastor, I'm spiritual. All of us. Pastor, I'm a a giant for God, all of us. Pastor, I'm a deacon, all of us. Pastor, I'm a minister, all of us. There is no exceptions, there are no exclusions, there's no exemptions. Are you listening to me? All of us are going to have problems in this life. All of us are going to have challenges. All of us are going to have issues. All of us are going to have to face the difficulties of this thing we call life. Some of us will face more, others of us will face less, but we all will face them. And I emphasize that because we have preachers on TV, joy boy preachers, who drive their $150,000 limousines and wear their Rolex washes and their $10,000 Italian suits and and fly everywhere in private jets who tell you if you just have faith, you'll never have any problems. You've heard me say many times, and I'll say it again. There's a theology for that. It's called baloney. It's nonsense. All of us are going to have problems. Some of you tonight are looking at me, and you have problems. David had problems. You say, what was his problems, pastor? I'll be glad to tell you. He had a father who was biased and prejudiced. Do you know David's father favored his brothers? David's father didn't have a lot of regard for David. He was just a runt in the litter of his sons. David's father didn't ever think David would amount to much. He'll just be a shepherd boy taking care of sheep all of his life. How do we know that? Because remember when the prophet came to David's father and he said, I need to see your sons. Jesse brought all of his sons and paraded them before the prophet. Except one. He didn't think David was even worthy enough to be brought. So David had problems with a father who was biased and prejudiced. He also had brothers that were very critical of him. When David said, I'll fight Goliath, you know the greatest opposition he got was from his own family. His brothers criticized him and said, who are you? You're just a runny-nosed little punk. Go back and take care of the sheep. You cannot fight Goliath. They criticized him continually. They put him down. He also was battled with loneliness. You know, David was a shepherd boy. And his father sent him out to take care of the herds of sheep. The implication is David wasn't home a whole lot. He was out on the hills taking care of sheep for the most part, by himself. Can you imagine the loneliness he faced? Here's a young man, a young teenager. I'm sure he wanted to be with his other teenagers. I'm sure he maybe wanted to have a girlfriend. He didn't have time for all of that. He had to take care of sheep by himself out in the wilderness. And then he had to battle with wild animals. Many times wild animals would come up, wolves and bears and lions... And they'd want to have dinner. Their dinner was going to be one of his sheep. And he constantly had to engage these enemies who were trying to steal the sheep and to murder the sheep of his father. You see, David had problems like all of us. But he learned something in those problems. He learned that God was able that you can trust God in your problems, and God will take care of them. David's father was biased and prejudice, but David's heavenly father wasn't. And David learned how to receive the graciousness and the kindness of a heavenly father that his earthly father never gave him. His brothers were critical, but David learned how to accept the love and the kindness and the positiveness and the praise of a heavenly father who patted him on the back and said, son, you're something. He learned that you don't have to be alone. The presence of God can fill your loneliness. He also learned that wild animals, well, you don't have to be afraid of them either. Because God is bigger than wild animals. God will take care of you. David learned the lessons on problems. He learned that all of us have problems, but God is bigger than the problems. And what David learned in the past about God taking care of his problems was the reason why God, while David had confidence in the present that God would take care of his problems. Are you thinking with me? Whatever God has given you as a past, God wants you to take that past and see how he was faithful to you. That way, when something comes up in the present, you'll have confidence that the God of yesterday is the God of today. The God who did it for me then will do it for me now. You see, a lesson on problems. We're going to have them, but learn from them. Trust God to take care of them. So when you face them in the future, you won't be afraid. But there's also another lesson I think we can learn. It's a lesson on perspective. As Christians, there's often more than meets the eye when we're going through a trouble or a trial or a persecution or a struggle or a discouragement. There's often more than meets the eye. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 through 12. The Apostle Paul has some interesting words. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Are you listening to me? Our problems aren't flesh and blood. Our troubles aren't always flesh and blood. They're not always of this world. But against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Against spiritual wickedness and high places. David understood something. We live on two planes. We live in two dimensions. One is a physical, the other spiritual. One is earthly, the other is eternal. And whenever we're going through something, there is usually a spiritual element to it, an eternal element to it. Goliath was real. Goliath was wicked. But may I suggest to you tonight that Goliath represented the devil. The powers of darkness were behind Goliath. As Goliath confronts David. I want you to see something interesting, and maybe you picked it up when I was reading. Notice in verse 4, if you will, with your Bibles that Goliath was six cubits high, nine and a half feet tall. Notice in verses 5 through 7, that Goliath had six pieces of armor on. Notice that his spear that he carried, the spear that he carried was 600 shekels of iron. Is it just coincidental, accidental, that 666 is mentioned there? 666, the number of the unholy trinity of Satan himself. Satan counterfeits everything God does. We have God the Father, those who follow the devil have Satan. We have God the Son, those who follow the devil are going to have Antichrist. We have God the Holy Spirit, those who follow the devil will have the false prophet. We worship Jesus Christ to the glory of the Father through the power of the Spirit. There is coming a day when the inhabitants of this world will worship the Antichrist to the glory of the devil and the power of the false prophet. David is facing the devil's man. And the devil is all behind what's going to take place. He's behind the demonism and the darkness of this encounter. It's interesting that not only does Goliath represent the devil, But David seems to represent the Lord Jesus, does he not? He was a real man. He was a righteous man. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. And David was a descendant of Jesus himself. You know, on the surface, it just looks like two men are going to fight. On the surface. But if you look a little bit closer... A little bit deeper. You'll see this is not a fight between David and Goliath. This is a battle between the Lord Jesus Christ and Satan. 777 verses 666. And Satan loses. So understand when you're going through something when somebody's tormenting you, when somebody's persecuting you, when somebody's aggravating you, when life is difficult and it's a struggle and there's problems galore, don't forget there's a spiritual element to it. And maybe the devil is behind it all trying to discourage you and defeat you. Trying to drive you away from the God that you serve. A lesson on problems. We're all going to have them, but God is faithful and God is able. A lesson on perspective. Troubles often have a sinister nature that goes with them. Thirdly, a lesson on participation. Greatness for God begins with a decision. In verse 32... David makes an interesting statement. He says, King Saul, I will go and fight. I will go and fight. Nobody else will. I will go and I will fight. He made a decision. Every great person I know for God has begun their journey of greatness by making a decision, a climatic decision. And that decision affects every other decision they'll ever make as they walk with God. David saw the challenge. He saw the need. He saw the opportunity. And he made a decision that he would take up the fight. Was he afraid? Do you think David was afraid? Absolutely. I'm sure his heart was pounding. I'm sure he was profusely sweating. I'm sure his blood pressure was shooting up a tad. I'm sure he was cold and clammy a little bit because he was a human being. You can have faith and still be scared. Heard the story about a bully who went to the playground and he told all the other boys and girls who were playing on the playground, Get lost! This is my playground. And they all took off and ran, except for one little fellow. And the bully came up to him and said, Did you not hear what I said? I told you to leave. And the little fellow said, I heard you. He said, well, aren't you going to leave? Aren't you afraid of me? The little boy said, I'm afraid of you, but I ain't no chicken. (laughs) David was afraid of Goliath. I don't want you to think he wasn't. But he wasn't no chicken. He wasn't no coward. He was going to stand his ground. He was going to hold his ground. When he made a decision to follow Christ, he meant it. And he wasn't going to turn back just because some Goliath was in his path. The greatest decision you and I will ever make is I have decided to follow Jesus. When you make that decision and you mean it, all the other decisions will not matter really. Because you've already made the greatest decision you'll ever make. I have decided to follow Jesus. And David had made that decision a long time ago. That's why it was easy for him to say, I will now go and fight this guy. So now we see another lesson here. A lesson on power. Look at verse 47. We see a lesson on problems, a lesson on perspective, a lesson on participation. And a lesson on power. David understood where the power comes from. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with a sword and a spear. For the battle is who? The Lord's. And he will give you into my hands. A lesson on power. Let God do the fighting. This battle was not David versus Goliath, but once again, I want to stress that to you. This battle was God versus Goliath. You see, when we think we got to do the fighting, then it's easy to get a little terrified, a little panicky, and even to run. I mean, after all, Goliath was pretty big, he was strong, he was well armed. If you just looked at Goliath and looked at David, <laughs> you'd probably be shaking in your boots too. But David didn't see himself versus Goliath. He saw God versus Goliath. Goliath was big, but God's bigger, amen? Goliath was strong, but God's stronger, amen? Goliath was well-armed, <laughs> But God is more armed. Amen. You see, David saw something that we need to see. When we fight these battles, go through these problems, face these challenges, overcome these obstacles and difficulties, we don't have to do it. Call upon the Lord and He will answer you and He will come. And show you things you could never know and do for you things you could never do. If God be for us, who can be against us? I can't prove this, but I believe long before David ever went out to face Goliath, he got down on his hands and knees and said, Lord, they don't think I can beat Goliath and I can't. But you can. So Lord, I'm going to go out. I'm going to represent you but I'm asking you to do the fighting. God said, I heard you. When you throw that stone, rest assured, I'll lead it where it's going. And then there's a last lesson I think we can see. A lesson on promise. God keeps his word. 1 Samuel 16, just go back one chapter if you will. In verses 12 and 13, Samuel has been sent by God to find a king for Israel. God sends him to the house of Jesse. Jesse brings his sons, lines them up, one by one they come. And Samuel says, no, not him, no, not him. No, not him. I don't want the handsome one. I don't want the strong one. I don't want the sports one. I don't want the athletic one. None of these will work. And Jesse says, well, I don't have any more sons, Samuel says, but you do. Go get him. But he's just a shepherd boy. Go get him. First Samuel 16 And he sent and brought him in, speaking of David. David was ruddy, but he had a beautiful countenance. And he was good to look at, he was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is the one that God has chosen to be the next king of Israel. And Samuel took the horn of oil, symbolic of the Holy Spirit of God, and he anointed David in the midst of all of his brethren, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. David never forgot that. That God said to him, you will be the next king of Israel. Not you might be, not you could be, not you should be. You will be. Not a question mark, an exclamation point. David, you will be the next king of Israel. God has spoken. Do you think David remembered that? When he went out to face Goliath? Do you you think that crossed his mind? Absolutely. And while David was scared, in the back of his mind he said, I can't lose this battle. Because if Goliath slays me, then God has lied to me. And God doesn't lie. What he says is what he does. He said, I'm going to be king. And David believed him. And David went out to face Goliath with the confidence that he was going to win this battle. You say, Pastor, are you saying that David's fight with Goliath then was fixed? It was rigged. It was predetermined. It, there was, this, this fight was on the take. Is that what you're saying, pastor? Yes. This was choreographed. God knew exactly what was going to happen in the beginning to the end. David was not going to die. He still had to be king. Goliath was going down. And the betters lost a lot of money that day. You see, this is not just a story about David. It's a story about you and me. Not just a story about a giant that lived thousands of years ago. It's a story about the giants that we face as we go through this journey called life. The problems, the troubles... The obstacles, the difficulties, the persecutions, whatever it may be that we're going to face. And in all of that, there's lessons. A lesson on problems. We're going to face them, okay? Shake your head, you're going to face them. You say, I haven't had any problems lately. Just wait, you will. Then there's a lesson on perspective. Every challenge has a spiritual element to it, rest assured. If you're a child of God, the enemy is trying to do something to discourage you, to defeat you, to drive you away from God. Don't you let it happen. Then there's a lesson on participation. Why don't you nail that down right now? I have decided to follow Jesus and I'm not turning back. I'm not turning back for a a relationship. I'm not turning back for a job. I'm not turning back for a promotion. I'm not turning back for money. I'm not turning back. I've made a decision that will never be recanted. No political doubles talk. I have decided today, if not before today, I am following Jesus. I'm not turning back. A lesson on power. We don't have to fight these battles. Give them to God. And stand back and let God be God. And then a lesson on promise. What God has said, God will do. Claim promises from His Word in this journey called life. And you will find that what he said to David, he says to you and I. You're not going under. You're going to make it. Heads are bowed in Isaac.